Splat Book, the RPG Topics podcast. This voice will make a lot more sense when there's Miles Davis music playing after it. If this is your first episode, we talk about tabletop RPG design. The show is brought to you by the generous contributions of the lovely backers of the Map Pro Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash and pledge today. My name is Kyle, <laughs> and today with me is my favorite pair of gams, John. <laughs> Oh, that was too good, Kyle. That was amazing. Too good, Kyle. And, and good. also joining us is uh, Chris Salzman's favorite GM, Matt Wilson. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah. <laughs> Today, we are going to continue to do our actual play slash analysis uh, episodes. And um, we are going to be playing a game of, so Matt will be running a game of Cthulhu Confidential for us. And if you know anything about this game, you might be concerned because it is a one-on-one game, a one GM, one player game, and there are three people on this call. Uh, So we have kind of uh, talked about how to handle that. I will just be color commentary, mostly uh, derailing conversations and, and activities. Uh, and uh, as as the internal monologue of our detective character, and then Matt, why don't you say a few words about this this game and uh, any disclaimers about uh, your doubts and how well you'll be able to run it, so you nobody nobody blames you later. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Yeah, so this this is a game in the Gumshoe uh, sort of family of games that Pelgrane Press puts out. Other things you might have heard of are like Trail of Cthulhu. Knights Black Agents, um, a variety of sort of horror-tinged investigative games. And what the system really tries to do is simulate that sort of X-Files-like investigative game where a big chunk of what you're doing is finding things out and then coming up with a plan to to, uh, combat the forces of evil. And one of the things that it does with that... Um, that makes it unique is sort of the resolution mechanics. It sort of divided the game's structure into in the investigation part and the action part. And their realization was that it, games aren't very exciting if the, if the players never find anything out. So your characters are sort of presumed to be competent. Um, and well, that'll be new for me. Right. (laughs) The characters are presumed to know more than the players do. Let's put it that way. That's a good way to put it. And so they have this list of abilities like uh, our hard-boiled Seamus here has has evidence collection, cop talk, reassurance, and streetwise, and this list of skills. And if you go to a scene and you just sort of describe yourself using those abilities, and you will find whatever it is you need to find to move the story. In reg, quote-unquote regular gumshoe, there is a, a series of pool points. So I might have all these same skills, right? I might have intimidation or cop talk or bargain, but I would have a value in those between like, you know, three One and, and four usually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so if I'm really good at something, like it'll be an eight, which means it's I could spend all my points. Like in Nice Black Agents, if you have a preparedness of eight, like you're always prepared for whatever you come up against. But... Um, you spend those points to accomplish things. So I'm assuming there's no point pool because it's just me. And if I run out of cop talk, I can't talk to any more cops. <laughs> um, so the invest the investigative skills um, have pool points in regular gumshoe. They do not have them here. The pool points in regular gumshoe are used for like extra benefits, extra perks, doing things faster, better, stronger, gotcha. harder, that sort of thing. In this game, you have what are called pushes, which are sort of like generic. I want to push really hard on this. And, and where that might come up is say you decide the Dex is having a really bad day and he just wants to intimidate somebody today <laughs> and you're trying to shove a square peg into a round hole and you've come up against a real hard case and I don't think intimidation would normally work, you might say, but can I spend a push here and make that happen? Or there might be scenes where I would give you some information to keep the story moving forward, but then say, if you wanted to spend one of your pushes here, you could get something extra. Um, out of the scene and open up a new opportunity for for yourself to take or not. Um, so they've sort of done away with pool points there. Um, the action abilities are things like athletics, 
driving, firing a gun, you know, fighting, that sort of thing. And those those also normally have pool points in Gumshoe. And here you just have a rating of one or two, and that's just how many dice you get to roll. Okay. And whenever whenever an outcome is in doubt, uh, we'll do a little challenge, and I'll tell you the number that you need to have the highest level of success. Gotcha. And then you'll roll your dice and tell me what you got. And there are three possible outcomes in Gumshoe one-on-one. There's the advance, which is the best level of success. There's hold, which is in the middle. You've held steady. You've done what you wanted to do, but not with any spectacular effect. Or there's a setback. And in all three cases, the narration will continue to move forward. You'll just pick up problems or edges. I did want to say a couple of things about investigative role playing, if that's okay. Um, oh yeah, and, and I need two dice. Is what I'm. Yeah, you'll need you'll need two dice. Um, yeah. So if you've never played an investigative game before, uh, you might kind of start yourself in this mode where the world is big and scary, and you don't want to engage with it because bad things might happen. Don't do that here. <laughs> <laughs> You'll notice that in, usually in, not a problem for me, but I'll uh, I'll be good. extra careful. I'll just bring it out. So I'll just I just wanted to bring it up. So like uh, the way that you know PIs and newspaper men, women, and whatever solve problems in the noir world is by going out there and talking to people, even the dangerous ones. You yeah, or shooting them. That's a well or holding a gun on them while to talking to them. That's an option. I yeah, just want to exactly, make sure I know exactly. I'm aware is on the table which is a dark and gritty uh, place. We're in the Great Depression. Uh, Los Angeles is in one of its more uh, notoriously infamous corrupt periods. And Dex Dex Raymond, your character, would know all about this, but just to give you a a brief background, uh, the sort of domestic homegrown mob in Los Angeles is called um, The System, uh, and they're sort of like Anglo... uh, folks white shoe upper collar you know white collar trying to keep it cool and 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 calm and they've got the police in their pocket and this is when um a second effort by the east coast uh italian and jewish american mafia families uh move out to la and try and take the city over so what's happened in the last year is that mickey cohen and uh, bugsy siegel have shown up and are throwing okay. their weight around and it's causing an escalating war that in a year or so the citizens of los angeles will get really sick of and actually elect politicians to do something about all right but for right now you've got this these new guys in town the mafia and the old guys in town the system um who are more or less at war Lots of bad things happened in the 1930s, and um, I guess I should give this proviso as well. Um, I don't accept uh, my players engaging in any of the sort of systemic isms that that uh, uh, permeate that time period historically as well. Sexism, racism. I'm ready. Are you? I am. Dex okay. Raymond is ready Dex Raymond to hit the street. Ready. Our action begins in a dingy uh, Bunker Hill neighborhood office of, of Dexter Raymond, private investigator. Uh, as all good private investigators do, you've got problems. Um, you're going to have to start this by, by picking a problem, or you could pick two. The four that are available to begin with are you could be broke, you could be lonely, you could have what killed the cat, or you could be a total vice hound. Uh, so the is what killed the cat like there's there's something that's happened and it's bothering me and I am curiosity to, yeah okay you have an insatiable right. curiosity even when you shouldn't or have no reason to want to know something you can't help yourself I, I think I would like to pick two I'd like to pick broke okay and and curious what killed the cat you've got no money I was sitting in my office reading my name backwards on the back <laughs> of the glass rubbing two nickels together hoping they would breed. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> As the camera sort of pans in through the Venetian blinds, screening out the harsh midday sun of the of California, what's something we see in the office that makes it clear that this this Dexter Raymond is your Dexter Raymond? Ah, uh, gotcha. Well, I reach for my coat pocket, and there's a pack of cigarettes in there, and I shake them out, and it's my last one. And so I grab the bourbon bottle from my desk drawer. And I take a peek at it, and there's just a few drops, which I then pour into my coffee cup and uh, sip them down one at a time. 
Uh, and then I'm padding, trying to find my lighter, which I can never find. It's always somewhere, but it's never in my pocket where I expect it to be. Well, I think while you're padding all of your pockets on on your ja- on your um, trench coat, uh, trying to find where you've left your lucky lighter, naturally the door the door buzzer rings uh, at that point. All right, uh, I do pat my uh, I do pat myself and make sure I've got my uh, my revolver in my pocket. And I walk over, and uh, is it a is a buzzer like for downstairs, or are they just outside the door? Uh, it's your office. Okay, I think they'll be just outside the door. Okay. I don't think we're sophisticated enough to have like a a buzzer in the lobby. Plus, this building probably can't afford one. So, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't think so. With a broke PI hanging out in there, you open the door then, and there's a there there there's a tall woman immaculately dressed in in gray she looks about 30 this lady had gams that went all the way to the floor and back the gam situation in this room was through the roof uh she holds out her hand and says hello you must be mr raymond i'm margaret deacon dex to my friends margaret how can i help you please come in oh i do hope we'll be friends dex of course would you uh like a cigarette and i'm still holding a cigarette (laughs) Like I was gonna light it, but I haven't lit it yet. Thank you very much. And and she'll uh, sort of pause with the cigarette elegantly held in her yeah, and hand. Yeah, and I I finally find it. It's in my trouser pocket, and Excellent. I I hold it out and I light my last cigarette. From it's Margaret, you said. Yes, Margaret. Well, what brings you down here tonight, or this afternoon? Something terrible's happened to my younger sister, Mister Raymond, and I can't get a straight answer from the police. Let me guess. She came to town just wanting to be a star, and she got mixed up in something ugly. And now, you want old Dex Raymond to save her. She takes a puff on her cigarette and says, Well, almost. Something like that. I'm glad to see you have experience in in these sort of cases, though. You have no idea. About six weeks ago, my younger sister Helen went missing. She's always been a bit of a wild child, that that Helen. But, um... See, two weeks ago, she turned back up again, wandering the streets downtown, wearing nothing but her nightclothes, covered in blood. Oh, my. She's practically catatonic, Dex, or Mr. Raymond. Please, call me Dex. Well, the police, you know, they cleaned her up and brought her home, of course. Daddy's got enough money that they'll help us out with little things like that, but they still haven't bothered to find anybody. There's no investigation ongoing into this. Hmm. That she hasn't said me. a word since. She just stares into space. Somebody did this to her, Mr. Raymond. Somebody who must know her. And I would like to hire someone to nail those people to the wall. Oh, well, this sounds like my kind of case. Tell me, where did you find her? Well, the police say she was just wandering back into town on Wilshire Boulevard from the hills, but from time to time she'll moan or, or mumble or, or, or cry out about the hieroglyphs, the stars, something. It's incomprehensible mm. to me. What, what are your fees? Uh, it's five bucks a day, ten dollar retainer, whether I figure this out or not. She reaches out and, and she puts a, a hand on your on your arm and says, You'll see this through to the end, right? Of course. All right. I think, or I fear, that there are some dangerous people involved in this. Danger's my middle name. She looks around for a chair to sit down in, and um, does she find one? Do you have a chair? Uh, I have a chair um, next to the door, but my hat is on it, so I pick up my hat and I kick it over and I put it in front of the desk. Okay. Well, she'll she'll sit down there and, and says, well, she pulls out a $50 bill and puts it down on your desk and says, this, this will get you started. There's another yes. 150 if you bring me results. Absolutely. What would you like to know? Well, um, how long has she been in town? Well, we're what you might call an old L.A. family. Uh Daddy used to run an oil oil refining company. I see. And uh, who is your father, if I may ask? Oh, his name is Roscoe Deacon. 
And um, here, I'll jump in. You might have heard, Dexter might have heard of that. I was going to um, say, uh, before, re- the research. Oil Company is, yeah. uh, uh, you know, not a, you know, they're not a top end oil company. They're not Chevron or Exxon or anybody like that, but they're, they're big enough. They made a couple dozen million dollars uh, refining oil. And a few years ago, Roscoe retired and, and left his company to Margaret. Well, it seems to me, Margaret, that, uh, you would be able to afford any private detective in this town, so I'm a little surprised you've come to me. Uh, none of Daddy's friends on the force could help you figure this out? Well, <laughs> I've exerted all of the leverage I could on our fine police force, but um, eventually they just stopped returning my call. So I asked around a little bit, and uh, they said you were somebody who wouldn't take no for an answer. Uh-huh. Well, uh, they could be right about that, and I might have a couple of contacts on the force that uh, are willing to uh, help me out a little. I suppose I, I could give you a list of her associates. Um... Why don't we start there? Margaret, I'll take this case, and I think a list of known associates is a great place to start. A couple of years ago, when our mother died, she sort of got into this religion, I guess you'd call it, she was hanging out around this Order of the Argent Light, I think they're called. They've got some little hideous temple thing down on Hollywood Boulevard. Um, so she was always trying to get me to donate money towards the Great Pyramid or Secret Masters or something like that. I, I don't go in for that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, of course. She also had... At least one boyfriend, but the one I know of is is a, is a scriptwriter named Marshall Daly. Okay, I've only met him a couple of times, but he strikes me as a very jealous man. And can you tell me where this silly uh, temple, the Order of the Argent Light, may be? Sure. She she gives you the address. Typical L.A. mystical nonsense, if you ask me. But might as well ask around. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna show her to the door. Uh, grab my coat and hat. So the first thing I do is pick up the phone and then remember that I didn't pay my phone bill. And so <laughs> I go down to the corner store to buy some cigarettes so I can get change to use their payphone. The first thing I'd actually like to do, if this is a thing, and you can tell me if it's not, uh, is I'd like to call my friend Ted Gargan on the LAPD and see if he knows anything about this and why the cops didn't pursue it at all. So that's the first call I make. I stick my, what do we think a phone call costs in these days? It's probably free. A nickel. I stick my nickel in the payphone um, and uh, and dial him at home. Well, what time is it, do we think? Uh, I mean, it can be whatever time it needs to be. It was sunlight back when the scene started. It was daytime. Okay, so I'm going to call him at the station. This is Officer Gargan. Ted, it's Dex. How you doing? Dex, Dex. Hey, How are uh, things going in the private business? Oh, great, great. Never been better. I'm having a great old time. Uh, keeping good, busy, real busy. Uh, say, maybe you could just help me out with something. I'm sure it's not a big deal. There's a, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's a woman, uh, last name uh, Deacon. And she, uh, she uh, sort of reappeared. She was missing and she reappeared maybe a month ago. And I heard that there wasn't a lot happening down at the station or on the force around this. And I... Uh, just thought I'd um, call and see if you knew anything about it. Well, sure. I, I could go uh, sneak a peek at the case file for you, Dex. That'd be great. Say, you ever think of uh, rejoining the, the police? Who's an honest man like you? Ha! That'll be the day, the day I join the police. All right. Well, I'll ring you back at your office. Give me uh, five uh, minutes. Actually, yeah. Can uh, can I give you another number <laughs> <laughs> to use just temporarily? Ah, sure. Staking yeah, yeah. the place out, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I give him the number of the payphone at the sad little shop. A few minutes later, uh, uh, Ted Gargan, bring, or the phone starts to ring. Ted says, well... Uh, yeah, a little missing persons case. A uh, young lady uh, showed back up, couldn't really give an accurate description of, of really anything. Where she'd been, what she'd seen. Uh, the blood on her clothes didn't seem to belong to her, and she came from a rich family, so we just 
you know, we asked a few questions of the usual people, and it looks like that's uh, that's really about as far as it went. All right, and uh, no, nothing in there, nothing saying uh, do not pursue, or do you recognize the name of the uh, investigating officer or anything like that? No, this just seems to be one of the many unsolved, you know, missing persons cases. But thank Christ, we found the girl. All right, I owe you one. All right, I think it's time to go check out the Order of the Argent Light. Order of the Argent Light. Can I, um, can I retro, can I retcon something and of say course. that I asked for a photo of the younger sister? Sure. Okay. Yeah, you, uh, you get sort of, yeah, it has to be like a prom photo or something. Oh, nice. <laughs> like, like, like that, you know. That yeah. I mean, you're lucky you didn't get handed an oil painting, I suppose. Right. <laughs> so, so, so. I was like, yeah, I just had this on me. <laughs> so to retcon that, I say, I say to Margaret, uh, hey, I may need to ask around about your sister. So if you could give me a photo, that would make that a lot easier. Sure, sure. And she 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 hands you a photo, and uh, it's it's of a very young, but. Uh, very attractive and mischievous looking blonde girl yeah you 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 do you have a car i think i do i think okay. i've got a, a beat up old um i don't know much about cars in the it would be something like it wouldn't be a modern it wouldn't be a new car it would be an older car so i'm thinking it's more it's closer to a model t than it is to like a a packard like, like you a, know. yeah it's not not some brand new packard so yeah, uh, you, you're given the name, the Order of the Argent Light, and uh, you you drive down, and, and it's just on it's on Hollywood Boulevard, which hasn't been completely overtaken at this point in time by uh, big buildings and corporate America. There are still occasionally little pueblo style bungalows, and the Order of the Argent Light is apparently set up in one of these uh, these these houses. They have all kinds of or they have just a sign down down at the road, Order of the Argent Light. As I drove the old jalopy down to this temple, I kept thinking I couldn't wait for the good people of this fine city to wake up to these flimflammers. It seemed like every Tom, Dick, and Harry writing sci-fi short stories could just invent a religion out of nowhere. Well, sir, L.A.'s not going to fall for that one forever. <laughs> There's probably a, a, a record playing some sort of you know, you know, the equivalent of the sort of ethereal music that is playing when you walk into a uh, new age bookstore uh, these days. There's probably a recording of some, I don't know, what would be in it's, style it's in the It's too early for theremins, but just in time for the big yeah. saw music craze. Right. <laughs> just right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some wibbly wibbly music uh, yeah. playing wibbly and there's music. crystals all over the place. And a, and a big um, map on the wall that purports to be like the the genealogy of of uh, this the secret masters it's called and you you look at it and your eyes glance across and you see like oh, Rosicrucians and the Illuminati are here I see and somebody called Nodens and Yig and uh, over here and eventually your your sort of sounds like cynical disgusted reverie is is interrupted by a uh, a shawl wearing uh, a middle-aged woman uh who comes out of the back room pushing some some curtains aside and says hi oh, yes i'm i'm clara nebel clara I can be nice your to guide you. to the argent light ah i would appreciate that say uh, i have the pleasure of meeting seeker uh my name is dexter uh, at least that's what my mother calls me. Everybody else just calls me Dex. I just thought I'd come in and uh, and look around. Um, well, Dexter, in this temple, all who seek find. Oh, that sounds pretty handy. Hey, uh, <laughs> have you been have you been around here for a, for a long time, Clara? Oh, of course I have. Yes, this is my temple. Oh, it's your temple. It's very nice. I like your temple very much. Hey, uh, I don't suppose you know a, a, a young girl who um, who came to the temple, last name Deacon? And I pull out the photo and I hold it up to her. Does uh, this ring any bells for you? I just uh, had a couple questions about her if you uh, had a couple of minutes, you know? 
she um, pretends to look thoughtful for a moment. You can tell because you have assess honesty as one of your skills that she's sort of like going through the motions of racking her brain a little bit. Uh, and it's just, ah, yes, yes. Helen Deacon, I believe her name was. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's her. Um, yeah, so I heard she uh, she liked it here and uh, she said good things and I just wanted to, to find she, out a little bit more. Yeah, she and her set of rather silly young women came in all together looking for something, but Helen was, was a real find, a real gem of a, of a woman. She had it, I could tell immediately, and, and she kept coming back. Interesting. And what uh, what would she come back for? So, tell me, uh, Matt, does this look like this entry hall? Is it like a is it like a showplace? Is it like a bookstore? Is it? It's both a showplace and a bookstore. And you sort of glance around, and there's a big pile of like featured books um, by uh, William Dudley Pelly. Um, uh, is the is the author's name on it? And it's something. Like the hypnodimensional. Whoa! All right. And uh, Pelly. did she buy any books? Any of these books interest her? I'm just just trying to figure out what, a little bit oh, more about what she's girl been doing. Was, um, she was just so mixed up and lost following, I believe it was the death of her mother. That uh, uh, books really weren't sad. her sort of thing. So, what was her sort of thing? Would you say, Clara? Well, once the guiding light of her mother passed out of her life, she was left only with a, <clears throat> a degenerate and wastrel father and uh, a stern and foreboding elder sister. So uh-huh. she began to attempt to fill that, the absence of guidance in her life um, uh, in the usual way that young women in this city try and fill that until she found us. And I, I was trying to steer her towards a better course in life. Ah, great. Well, that's very Get her uh, to noble. sort of leave the, the overbearing attentions of, of the men that she uh, mm. was attracted to. That makes sense. Uh, uh, when did she uh, start coming here, would you say? Oh, I'd say it was about a year and a half ago. Mm, okay. Yes, yes. All right. And, uh, and uh, she hasn't been here recently. No, no, I, I, she came in about six weeks ago or so, and um, we really had a breakthrough. We were gazing into the crystal, and I could tell that something dark was hanging over her. And um, she asked me to read her aura, which I, of course, did. We went to the aura reading booth, and she sort of gestures over to a to an alcove, and uh, at that point, and then I. I detected the, the, the spore of, 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 of this ancient corrupting evil uh, uh, filtering into her soul. Mm, that sounds pretty bad. It was very bad. It was very bad. I, I recommended a, a, an immediate uh, uh, three-week private course. Uh-huh. And, uh, and those, to those private her courses. soul. Yeah, yeah. At a modest fee. <laughs> <laughs> and those private courses, do you hold them here or uh, somewhere else? In the back, in the back, yes. In the back, ah, I see, I see. Um, say, uh, and so right now what I'd like to do, looking at my investigative abilities, is I would like to assess her honesty. She is telling you the truth about this. She does believe that she saw the spoor of ancient evil settling into Helen's soul about six weeks ago. And she definitely recommended that Helen take this this cleansing course with her. Um, but then, then she says that she was, she went home and, and she was going to check with her overbearing sister to see, to see if she could get the money. Ah, I see. I see. And, uh, this course, uh, did she, she take the course? No, no, I haven't seen her since. I am a little worried about her and she sort of puts up a hand, uh, in a conciliatory way. Gotcha. Well, why? I'll tell has, you. Has something happened? Is that why you're asking all of these questions? Uh, perhaps. I, uh, I was hoping you might be able to tell me. She uh, disappeared and she showed up uh, a couple of weeks ago, but she wasn't in great shape. And I'm trying to figure out where she may have been in the intervening month, and I thought you might uh, have some info on that for me. Not in great shape how? Please tell me. I must have details. I'll tell you what. 
you could maybe tell me a little bit more about um, where she's been, about your course, and maybe some other people who uh, who she might have been associating with here, I'd be happy to trade that information and give you a little bit more about her uh, her current uh, well-being. Uh, is there anybody here in your temple who maybe have take, took a little bit uh, extra interest in Helen, if you know what I mean? She gestures over at the pile of books by, by William Dudley Pelly and says, I... Mr. Pelly is one of the, he's one of the secret masters, and I kept trying to steer Helen to his protective uh, uh, light, but uh, she was never very interested. That boyfriend of hers uh, kept coming by and bawling me out, pulling her out of, uh, tried to prevent her from coming to our, our meetings. Uh, uh, ma'am, did he ever threaten you? This, this would be Marshall? <laughs> yes, he did. A most oh. rude man. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that. I just she's not doing great. She uh, she came home and uh, uh, was just not feeling great. She's been bedridden for like two weeks. So it was all I. It was everything that I saw in her aura. The spore of evil was accumulating in her soul. You must you must take me to her. I, I will I will perform the dispelling ritual at at her place. She doesn't need to come here. Well, I, you know what? I appreciate that offer. Um, she's not staying in my place, so I can't really just, you know, let you know let people come and go. But I'll tell you what. Do you have a? I have a book, uh, one of the books here that maybe explains your order of the Argent Light a little bit better. Oh, of course, we have lots of literature. <laughs> what would be what, what would be a good one to start with? Um, and I try to find a book that has like the the logo of the place. Sure. Yeah, they have lots of pamphlets. Um, now that you look at them a little bit, uh, you begin to get a, a sort of a creepy, creepy crawly feeling on 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 your skin because the 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 symbols on the pamphlets are more overtly runic, and and the the literature is like drowned by the dark, and has like pictures of like uh, um, Nordic uh, looking god figures. Um, uh, emerging from uh, from dark fog claire i'll tell you what i'm gonna check with uh with margaret okay. see if uh, helen is is up to seeing people and if she is i'm gonna i'm gonna come back here and let you know and uh and we'll go ahead and uh, conduct that ritual you were telling me about well i do worry about helen so i would be i would be willing to waive a portion of my usual fee oh that's i'll let i'll let margaret know that that's wonderful thank you I went over to see this fella, Marshall Daly, and uh, it seems like he really lives up to the name because by the time I got there, it was dark, and so was the mood in Marshall Daly's apartment. Tried to play some chin music on me. Said he would he he, he didn't appreciate the temple sending people after him for money, and uh, there seemed to be some kind of uh, confusion about what was uh, what I was really there to do, and that gave me the clue that I needed to go over to that temple after dark i park a couple blocks down the street because i may not have mentioned this but my car is not quiet i case the joint like i've been in the front but is there a way to maybe get around the back or yeah, a window yeah. I it's slide just in? a it's a converted house so yeah it's, it's definitely got a back door and i think uh that while you're casing the joint um let's do a sense trouble roll here okay sense uh, trouble i have you have two dice in this and i'm going to tell you that for an advance you need a five Okay. So you can roll those two dice and add them together. And if you don't get a five, then I will offer you an extra problem. And, and if you take it, you can get a, a, a further dice. I love it. Okay. Well, I rolled a four. So okay. I would like an extra problem. Okay. Well, I'm going to give you the problem paranoia. Once you realize that one person is watching you, you can't shake the feeling that everybody is. I'm jittery as heck. And as soon as I try to like lift the window... Uh, I hear a crack behind me, and I whip around, but there's nobody yeah, there. Yeah, you 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 you're able to duck around the corner of the building. I think just I guess you took this problem, so you roll an extra die. Did that get you? All right, and I got a two, so that gives me a six. Yeah, all right. So for sure, you uh, you're able to duck around the corner of the building, and you see a uh, um, a 
someone that looks a lot like you, a, uh, a, a broke, disheveled-looking P.I. sort, uh, <laughs> though with little uh, round uh, glasses and substantially less athletic, is, is attempting to creep through the trees. All right, I, uh, I let him get right up to the door, okay? Then I'm going to slide up behind him, uh, put, my, put like my, my fingers in my coat in his back, and be like, hey there, fella, what do you think you're doing here? So I'm going to try to sneak up on him with stealth. Nice. Yeah, I think, uh, I think he yelps. And uh, you're you you got the drop on him with your with your other role. So so he yelps and jumps about three feet in the air and and whirls Shh, around. Keep it quiet. And uh, yeah, he's not he's not going to be quiet. But he is uh, going to reveal that he is holding a tiny little pen knife in his hand, and he's is going to try and take a swing at you. Whoa! All right, I will defend myself. So uh, um, this will be a fighting test. Oh yeah, I'm going to try to I try to grab his wrist. Mm-hmm. Since he's a he's a little a little squirrely guy, I'm gonna sure. try to grab his wrist and just like sh- you know squeeze it till he drops the knife. Okay, then you got two in fighting. Oh, I got a uh, twelve. I rolled box cars. <laughs> okay, you you earn another push, so you go you, you go back up to oh, two okay. pushes. Oh, uh, okay. Cool. You, you beat the uh, target number f- even for an advance by by quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, you you disarm him, you squeeze him. He he yelps a little bit, and his hand flies open, and he says, "Oh, please, please, do not strike me." Yeah, I got my backhand ready. Like, well, tell me, what are you doing sneaking around here? I am a newspaper reporter. Uh-huh. Ah huh. And please, what are you reporting release on? Release my hands. I'll release your hands if you tell me why you're here. This, I am trying to find the communists and report on them. And you think they're communists here? Do you mean fascists? All the ists are here? <laughs> I know nothing about any fascists. I am loyal American citizen. I follow a young man here several times. Who was that young man? I let his wrist go. His name is Marshall Daly. He is a known communist. What? Ah, ah, thank you, thank you. I can tell you are a hardworking man like me, yes? Sure. Perhaps we can go in together. That seems like a good idea, but maybe you should follow me. I think I'm a little more suited for this action than you are. Ah, yes. You can go into t- Dangerous Temple first. Yes. I uh, I pull out um, my revolver. Check the back door. Um, the back door, when you when you check it again, is um, uh, there's some like broken wood around where the lock would be. Like somebody kicked it open. And then sort of set it back in place. All right. Well, I I get myself. I crouch and I get ready. And I'm like, something's going on here. Keep your head down. And I push open the door and I walk in. He whispers, I think it is the Red Menace. (laughs) They like to Uh, meet in the basement. I suppose that we don't have flashlights. 1937. No, the flashlights are a thing. Okay. All right. Um, uh, I bought one at the hardware store with all my money. Ah, yeah. Nice. Um, I think you're going to be broke again by the end of it. I know, right? <laughs> you keep buying This is the problem. <laughs> uh, I turn on my flashlight and, and sort of aim it around. As you, you, you see, there's like a little kitchen here. And there is, in fact, a light uh, coming from uh, underneath the crack of a, of a basement, of a door that probably leads to Actually, the basement. Actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to on that, too. I pull out my lighter and hold it up. Okay, yeah. in the flickering, uh, flickering yeah. light of your of your pocket lighter, yes, you you see that you are standing in a in a kitchen that looks very dis- disused, but there is uh there is a light a faint glow of light coming from underneath a, a door that no doubt leads. To uh, what's your name, kid? Franz Franz Spielmann. Franz, let's listen real careful. Do we hear anything? Um, give me a sense trouble roll. Uh huh. Oh, that's a three. So you put your ear very carefully up to the door, and you are nearly deafened by uh, uh, a gunshot uh, in a confined space in the basement, like the echoing, oh, 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 you weren't prepared for that. 
and you hear you hear a, a brusque voice that you would recognize uh, uh, from your earlier interview with Marshall Daly saying, um, Look, you son of a bitch, I know you did something to her and you're going to tell me what it is or I'm going to ice you. Then I throw open the door, pull out my gun and jump down. I say, Marshall, wait! And he, he you see Marshall there and he's got Claire and Neville on the floor and, and some some clownish looking person in a silver lame uniform uh, uh, tied up to the wall who's now bleeding from, from, a, from a gunshot wound and his gun wheels around at you. Marshall, freeze! That was pretty great. Cool. I'm, I'm glad you liked it. Um, yeah, I guess... One thing that often happens with me and, and Gumshoe games is that we often don't roll dice for a very long <laughs> yeah. periods of time. <laughs> and was, the funny thing is, like, I'm all I'm here for that, right? I'm like, right, yeah, yeah, there's some goals. Let's, you know, so but but Kyle made a great point in saying, like, well, if you don't roll any dice, then you <laughs> well, then you're then you're just talking. <laughs> now, now, Matt, this um, this is the adventure that comes with Cthulhu Confidential, right? One of three. Yeah. Dice rolls only improve the game if it's if it's interesting if it goes one way or the other. If right. one solution right. is is not interesting, then just do that. It's interesting to kind of compare this to Tunnel Goons, which is OSR FKR uh, game, and then this is, I think, much more in the vein of a story game. Would you say, like, how would you how yeah. would you categorize this, Matt? I think that Gumshoe in general is the story game version of Call of Cthulhu. There's so many death traps and there's so much time spent faffing about with terrible dice rolls and players being blocked from learning anything (laughs) and having to go into encounters at a tremendous informational deficit in call of cthulhu that i think what ken height and robin laws did here was say what if we put the drama on uh the the finding things and the we're gonna we know what we're going to go in, go up against. It's going to be, you know, in this case, in Dexter Raymond's case, it's going to be gangsters and communists and fascists and eventually Lovecraftian th- stuff behind it all. Um, but you're going to know what it is, and that will raise the dramatic stakes of the dice rolls once they start happening. We have an ongoing conversation where we talk about how much we like Robin D. Laws on this podcast. It's true. Famously, uh, Simon Rogers, the, the owner of Pelgrane, said to Robin, like, this is the the apocryphal story. Like you know that part in the D and D game when you're going along and you roll the dice and they miss the roll they needed to get the piece of information, and then you have to mess around for 25 minutes to to get them back on track. Mm-hmm. What what if that didn't happen? I think that's part of part of what this is about, right? Is it's just, you know at no point when I was gaining information did I roll a die, right? And that was the first part of the role play. We were able to fall into a pattern where. We didn't even necessarily talk about the skills that you were trying to use, but there's a more formalistic way of playing these games where you say, like you asked for assess honesty a couple of times, but you, you weren't like, I'm I'm going to use my evidence collection ability here or anything or, or anything like that. I'm going to use reassurance. Occasionally I will, when we're playing, I will say, hey, there's there's a there's a push available here if you are reassuring or, or whatnot. But oftentimes you don't, it's it's evident from the role play what skill you're attempting to 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 use. Yeah, I wonder if it would have been more useful because that's I sort of realized halfway through that first conversation with Clara, like I should mention just for the sake of people listening, you know what what skill I'm trying to use here. But I, I don't know. I like I like it as a demonstration, and you know, in in Powered by the Apocalypse, there is this principle, and in, in a lot of story games, um, but pro- probably most famously. Uh, PBTA, um, this principle of fiction first, where you're supposed to say what your character does, and then you find the move that describes the thing that you say what your character does, and that almost never happens. <laughs> almost <laughs> never, <laughs> because you're you're if your character sheet is full of options uh, and that tell you what is going to be a more favorable outcome, then you're you're of course going to look at that to try to get the most favorable optimal outcome. But in this, it's just there's just so much role playing forward with the scenario design that you almost forget there's a character sheet sometimes. And I think that's wonderful. 
other gumshoe games I played, briefly played Ashen Stars, and I played in a Knight's Black Agents game. Like the resolution mechanic was a single die. And when you said there were two dice, and then you described the three sort of statuses, right? There's advanced, normal, and something that pushes the drama forward. It just felt like they'd taken sort of the dice resolution from Powered by the Apocalypse and put it on <laughs> the gum, like brought two great tastes that taste great together, you know? Yeah. Both it, yeah. This is sort of an inter an interesting like intermediate form. It's still recognizably gumshoe, but it Absolutely. is the most out there version of gumshoe. Um, I played. Um, I think they sort of evolved. They took parts of this system and parts of the original gumshoe system and for the Yellow King role-playing game that came out a little bit ago, and that's that's the rules engine I used for the Eternal Lies game, where you you still roll on a single dice and you have pools in your in your um, action ability points. So, like, pools in your fighting, and, and, and you spend down from those pools to modify your die rolls how, however you want. They kept for that the push system, so there's no more ratings on the investigative stuff. So they, they keep playing with this core like there's investigative stuff and there is action scene stuff and usually they land on a single a single d6 plus spending points from pools for the dice resolution mechanic but here for whatever reason yeah they they landed on you're gonna roll one two or sometimes three dice if you take an extra problem to try and get I think that makes number. sense because you you don't you can't just like teamwork your way out of problems in a in a one on one game like this. Uh, so I mean, if you have reducing pools, like you know, you you, you are going to have to like pump the brakes on the story to go do whatever you do to refresh, whether that's a short rest or something. So it's like, well, if we're going to have to reset this all the time anyway like why why reduce points it's uh it's it's it it seems like it's everything is designed to keep the narrative momentum going yeah that that's a great point kyle that's probably what it comes down to is is that in the multiplayer you know campaign mode the games yeah you 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 signal to your teammates that you're a little tapped out on fighting or whatever yeah it's like, yeah, in a in a in a one on one game, you would just look at your GM and say, "What do I do to get my points back?" And your GM says, right. "Well, you have to go, you have to go nap for an hour." It says, "Well, I go do that and come back and ask this question." <laughs> you know, it's like it's, it's, there isn't <laughs> right. there isn't nearly the same kind of like you know uh, flow of time. It's it's much more right. much more personal, and 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 therefore yeah. those kinds of procedures might seem a, a bit more silly. Well, the other thing I thought is that there is a resource and the resource is those pushes, right? That's the only sort of thing I could spend, but I could earn them back by being successful. So there is a little bit of a resource. And I think you need that um, to create a little tension, right? Like if, if you can automatically do anything, you know, that's no fun. So, so if I don't have a re so I can't, I'm not spending from resource pools like I do in, in gumshoe. So there's actually two great things to make tension here. One is my pushes, um, and then spending them and reclaiming them so I can make sure I'm successful. And the other one is uh, the die roll, which is very much a f push the fiction forward mechanic uh, in a way that, that the single die resolution mechanic in regular gumshoe isn't quite the same. Why is this game one-on-one -on -one specifically? Because it, it says it on the cover. So other than, I mean, I understand the mechanical differences that they made to facilitate perhaps that, but like why couldn't you have four investigators in in this game i think that you could um i i do agree that i i think they've streamlined the mechanics to make it appropriate for 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 one-on-one -on -one. so they've they've taken away all of the the stuff that only matters for parties um i will say that uh, the thing that I learned was most challenging with the with the Yellow King version of this, which is sort of a, an evolution of this system, sort of fused back with the main uh, with the with the main Gumshoe system in multiplayer. It's these damn cards. Um, so the the consequences for for failure success are these problem cards that you get, and these are so like paranoia was bespoke. one of those cards that came up in the game. 
Yeah, yeah. Broke, what killed the cat, paranoia. You have these three problems now. And there are 44 of them that can come up in this scenario. Wow. <laughs> and there are 17 edges that can come up, which are like the good versions of these cards that you get for extreme success in some cases. That's very cool because it very much matches the consequences good or bad of an action to the very specific fiction that's happening but in a multiplayer game it becomes like very challenging on the gm to like oh i gotta give you this card and then you this card and then i gotta keep track you know i gotta remember uh in in yellow king they're like the player hit points you can only hold if you if you are given a fourth problem card in, in yellow king you're out it's a very cool mechanic but it doesn't scale super well to a to to multiple that's really uh, interesting because it is, especially if the cards have like more of a prompt to them. Because there's plenty of games like Fate, or even, I mean, actually, it's one of the less clear parts of Blades in the Dark is like what harm does and like heat tracking conditions. It's like, okay, you, you broke your arm. What does that mean? I don't know. Hopefully, if it comes up, we'll say something about it. And then it doesn't come up because there's, there's not really a lot. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of contingent upon the person who has that condition to make it real in the narrative when they're when they're trying to probably just keep things moving and keep winning. You know, yeah. I I gotta say it was super fun. Um, so so one reason, one thing this may be one. I have two theories on why this might be one to one. You know, one on one. One is uh, often players can't find huge groups of players to play. Right. So. You know, I, as sad as that sounds, like it is an opportunity to just, if you've got two people, here's a game just for you, right? That is certainly a motivation from Pelgrane Press's perspective. They had yeah. gotten asked frequently, like, how do I do role-playing one-on-one? Yeah. So so I think that's a thing. But also, I, I have to say that I enjoy, as somebody who, um, you know, as, as all of us who have the GM problem, right, which is, is the reason we struggle as players sometimes is that we have trouble sitting still, right? (laughs) (laughs) It was really fun for me to just, it was just Matt and I, and Matt was feeding me story and leads. And I was like, Oh, what lead should I take? I'll take this lead. And I was just, I mean, I was here for it. I really had fun pursuing where the mystery was taking me and having multiple choice made it, gave me agency. And, and I felt like, I felt like that was really fun. And remember folks, if the gams seem too good to be true, they're usually gams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's awesome. Splatbook is a proud part of Roll For It Media. Be sure to check out our sister show, Roll For Topic, wherever fine podcasts are purveyed or on their website, gmdiscussions.com. And please leave us a five-star review on your podcasting app of choice. It really helps us out. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Latino. My YouTube channel is Mapcro. And you can subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Mapcro. And you can follow John in your hearts. Our intro music today was by the jazz great Miles Davis in his track Generic from the soundtrack to the French neo-noir movie Elevator to the Gallows, which came out in 1958. Our segue music was by Charles Mingus from his track Moaning from the 1960 album Blues and Roots. Our outro music was the title track from the soundtrack for the animated film Metropolis in 2001, composed by Toshiyuki Honda. Stay tuned for some cut bitlets. And then the plan is, of course, to include you in the discussion, unlike uh, we excluded Chris. Decided to kiss him. <laughs> it was a terrible uh, idea. Chris out of the call. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I was just casually is... we were talking about something and he said, yeah, Matt's such a good GM. And I'm like, I'm going to embarrass Matt with that when he's on our show. So there you go. <laughs> we're going to find out. Have, <laughs> one day we will run out of like weird back compliments to give one another. But it is not this yeah. day. All of the gumshoe books make a point of this, um, that you have to get out there and engage with the world. It's not going to it's not Call of Cthulhu. You're not going to instantly die for making the wrong decision. Um, Well, not with that attitude.
<laughs> yes, I will. I will endeavor to make it abundantly clear that making the wrong decision will uh, will kill you immediately. All right, and uh, I should let you know that I only take cash at this point, and I do require a uh, small retainer. No, no Bitcoin then. <laughs> no, text does not take Bitcoin. She says, "I'm sorry, I can only pay you in something called Bitcoin." <laughs> Would you accept a fractional oil certificate? <laughs> um. When she touched my arm, I got the feeling that this broad was like one of those women that would make a bishop kick a hole in a stained glass window. (laughs) (laughs) So now I have cigarettes again. Sputter a little bit as you try and break a $50 bill. (laughs) The guy spits all over your face. Yeah, just like, $50? (laughs) Did you stick up someplace for this? Exactly. I okay. think the, the boy at the soda counter is like, this isn't your office. <laughs> <laughs> I invented working from the coffee shop before. It was cool. Uh, <laughs> it's, it all started in LA in 1935. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. So you, you loiter around. And you pick yeah, up I ordered this. the cheapest. I just order a cup of coffee. It's the least expensive thing. Nice. It's probably, Even though it's like yeah. 90 and... I'm wearing a trench coat. I'm still going to order a cup of coffee. <laughs> so you're mopping sweat off your brow. I mean, sweat off my brow drinking coffee. <laughs> he's just, he's just pouring buckets of sweat. Just like, oh, yeah, that's, that hits the spot. That just how oh, that Oh, that's so good. Smooth. You're, you're crying yourself back it's into a dry the heat. <laughs> Thank God it's a dry heat. Oh, God. And uh, yeah. Uh, next, time we're, uh, next time we get a drink, I'm buying. Provided that it's soon, before I spend all the money that I have. <laughs> nice, nice. Say, uh, old so and so's retiring me into the week. You should come by and buy right. me that drink uh, down at Flanahan's Pub. Flanahan's, huh? I'll think about it. Call my secretary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not your secretary. <laughs> <laughs> It's real hot for a coffee, but mister. As I walked back to my jalopy, I thought some of those runic symbols really reminded me of what I once read in the Neonomicon back in Miskatonic University. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. The thing about Lovecraft is like everybody, all the characters in Lovecraft has read the Necronomicon. So it's, it's not even that rare. They're all like, the oh, most yes, forbidden book. book. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. I knew, I, was, I knew that spooky book was going to come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> the secret book that everybody's read. Yeah. Um, so what I, the two stops I'd like to make, do I know where um, Marshall Daly lives? Uh, this is an era where 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 the phone book has actually right. more information. I, in it. <laughs> uh, I, sw- Marshall I swing by my I swing by my new office briefly, <laughs> use the phone book, and then I tear when I see his address, I tear the page out. Hey, Mister, <laughs> you can't tear the pages out of the phone book. You just gotta buy another cup of coffee. I flick him a nickel for another cup of coffee, and then I head back out to my car. When I go into the waiting room of Madame Eva's uh, fortune telling. Uh, well, she had gams that went all the way to the floor and back. <laughs> just like a whole five-gallon drum of gams just like poured out on the floor. That's I just up to, my, up to my elbows and gams. I'm a little unclear about what a gam is. Yeah, do you know what a gam Maybe we're thinking of something else. <laughs> I might be thinking of something else. Yeah. I meant maple syrup. Oh, <laughs> you out we could do that you could do a voiceover saying so i went to see this broad's this broad's uh (laughs) sugar daddy yeah if you wanted to and then we had a weak chin and a a left hook like a noodle (laughs) so i sapped him and put him down yeah yeah okay all right i'll put put some not to put you on the spot but no 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 that's all right yeah um what was this guy's name i said Marshall, Marshall Daly. Daly. 
you want to give us a, a, a and remember in your noir voice, uh, Kyle? Oh my goodness! Uh, Sorry to put you on the spot yet again. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, 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 okay. I busted into the warehouse and it was just cases of cans. <laughs> I'd never seen so many in one place.